Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Happiness is not the mere possession of money. It lies in the joy of achievement, in the thrill of creative effort. And that's a quote by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. I just love that. So welcome one and all to the PPP, <laughs> the Profitable Photographer, a T-P-P-P. Is that right? <laughs> this is Lucy. And so I am excited that you're tuning in and I'm really excited to get to know my next guest and you'll discover why. Just a reminder, I have some good stuff over at lucydumascoaching.com. As always, Lucy with an I, including a free ebook called 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World. And now that the Western world is opening up and I have people that have listened from 74 countries, so I hope where you are, things are opening up. Um, it's time to get away from our computers and get out of our chairs and go market out in the world. And to me, that's a way that we really can excel in our marketing and separate us is to meet people in person and do things that other people don't do. All right, here we go. So my next guest is Safina Duke, and she's a money coach for photographers. And who doesn't need that? After six years as a professional photographer, Safina knows exactly how to help her clients overcome their own mindset blocks so they can sell their work for more. I asked her her zone of genius, and she said it's thinking outside the box and not conforming to traditional norms. She says she was pretty rebellious as a teen, and all of her parents' sound advice uh, was not as important as her own intuition, and that has helped her create the life that she's loving leading today. So hello, Safina. Thanks for being on the show. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I love that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Anyway, I can't wait to talk to you more because you just always post such really thoughtful and thought-provoking <laughs> thought-provoking things in your private group. So I can't wait to learn more. So can you share with me how you started as a photographer in a, just a quick, quick little, Hey, I've, I've been there too. Yes. So I started as a stay-at-home mom, I think as a lot of, a lot of some moms do as photographers and I just wanted something to where I could be with my son all the time. I had a one-year-old. I had dreams of having all these things that I wanted in my life. So I sold my old car, like my high school car for a thousand dollars. I bought a camera and I just kind of got started and went from there. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So it's like you, you made a decision to move past, I'm guessing some cell phone images you were enjoying and to yeah. actually get something that was on that entry level, but professional camera. It was a red camera. <laughs> it was a red camera. Oh, the red entry level, you know, because I realized yeah. later like, it's not a professional camera when you have a red camera, but <laughs> it's 
still entry level. Yeah. Yeah. But it works. And honestly, one of my friends used when she switched from digital, she used like her first quote unquote pro Canon camera for probably six years and was producing really beautiful large wall portraits. So bigger is not always necessary to reach our dreams. Did you start as the common shoot and burn? Did you start by selling your work? Can you tell me a little about what your business was like and where it is today? So I started with basically, I, I actually didn't do anything because I was too busy, like trying to make a logo for about six months. So that's kind of what <laughs> I was doing. All the back end stuff where you just don't really get started, which I, I don't teach now to do at all. But, and then once I did get started, I just did a shoot for $50, a shoot for a hundred dollars. And I quickly, I'm lucky that I got into some sort of in-person sales group on Facebook. And I saw people making those sales and I was like, I'm just going to try it because why not? So I switched over to in-person sales pretty quickly. And by the end of my career, I was really like a part-time, you know, like once a month type of person, but just with a really high average and just only taking on shoots that I really loved and having clients that I really loved. So it was really rewarding. Uh, So you say was, so are you not doing photography regularly? Ah, Great. So let's talk about money because that's your superpower. And so my first question is, can you help us understand more about the basics of money? What you suggest, not the mindset, but the, Hey, you need this much in a bank. You need to pay your taxes here. You need uh, these bank accounts. Is this something that you help people with and can share? Actually, I'm not like the person for the the technical stuff like that, but I do like to, I love to talk money because I just think that we have so many messed up views about money. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like mindset, but I I think we just have so many things we were taught by our parents and by society. And just depending on like how much money you had when you were growing up, that it for sure shows up in your business. And it's like the number one thing that photographers struggle with is they love their work. They love photography, but they just can't make money at it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're as a, as a person that helps photographers around money, it sounds like the relationship to money and the mindset and things like that are where you love to um, support people. Am I right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. There's so much to get into there. Yeah. Yes. So What's the first thing you love to um, explore with people or share with them? Well, I've noticed that there's a lot of, there are a lot of feelings that come up around money. There are a lot of, there's a lot of like guilt and shame, right? And there is a lot of like, I'm, I'm taking money from you. I'm charging a lot of money for this. And especially when you're used to not selling in-person sales, you're used to just giving away your pictures. And then you start trying to sell like one image for $200 or $300 and people are paying you thousands of dollars. It's really hard to understand what the value of that is because Mm -hmm. you've just been giving away the CD for so long. Right. And you're like, I'm asking people to pay me more money for less pictures. And it's kind of like this, you kind of just feel like you are the one who's getting all the money. And like, you don't realize when you're in that place, like you're not thinking about 
how much more value your client is getting by spending that much money on you. And so it's kind mm -hmm. of like this process of going in and just one by one picking out why, why are you believing? Why are you only thinking about what you're getting out of it? Why are you only believing that you're taking away from people and that they're, they're paying more for a service mm -hmm. instead of seeing it as something that's like a, a luxury. And it's so much more fulfilling for your clients to pay that amount of money. So what are some reasons people feel that guilt and shame and um, I guess, I don't know, unworthiness? Yeah, it's, I think it's because of how a lot of us were raised. And so many photographers were raised not having a lot of money or being middle class. And when like, just from my own experience, I've had to go back and reevaluate everything I was told about money. Because we were, I mean, I even remember being at, some sort of a, it was like a mall or something. And some photographer had a booth and they were selling beautiful portraits. I just remember they had these beautiful newborn portraits and my dad went up and he got the information and he was like, oh, this is a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> and so just getting rid of that mentality that if you are charging more for something that someone else does for less, that you're ripping them off and that you're just, you know, getting more for less work or it's just, any of those things and turning it into like a service-based mentality. Mm, what's a service-based mentality? A service-based mentality is just kind of stopping to think about your own income goals and how much money you're going to be making from your clients and just realizing that when somebody says yes to paying you $3,000 for, let's say like I shot a lot of senior portraits, so high school seniors, if somebody says, I want to pay you $3,000 to shoot my daughter's senior portraits, they are giving their daughter an incredible gift by spending $3,000 that they wouldn't have been able to give if they just spent a hundred or $200 on it. It's like, it has so much more value to it. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to realize that you're giving your client the opportunity to like invest in themselves too. And I've had some clients who have paid for it themselves and they're high schoolers or college students, and they really had to work retail jobs to pay for it. And just like, that you, you get to give someone that value and the opportunity to buy something that makes them feel so special. It's mm -hmm. so, it's so valuable instead of being like, oh yeah, I'm just ripping someone off for $3,000. Mm -hmm. So how do you think it creates value? Uh, you know, all things being equal of, let's say if you were giving the same service and the same quality, uh, how does investing more actually become a gift to them? Do you have mm -hmm. thoughts on yeah, that? that's such a good question. Yeah, it's actually literally just the money, right? Because if you spend more money on something, or even if you aren't spending your money on it, you still perceive more expensive things as being more valuable. You're more likely to go out to like a nice dinner for your anniversary or for a birthday or something. And so what on those times where you want to treat yourself and you want to buy something special, like buy a nice bag or something like that, you can't go spend a hundred dollars on it. <laughs> you can't go, you want to go spend the more expensive thing. You want to go for mm -hmm. the more luxurious experience. So even if it's just the price difference, even if it's, it's still good quality, then mm -hmm. yeah, just paying the higher price gives you that sense of value and gives you the sense of investing in yourself or a gift for someone else. Right. Yeah. I have a story I've told, uh, a few times on this show where I was in Santa Fe on vacation and there's this little boutique and there was this jacket in the prettiest, like a dark teal. Uh, it, it kind of like 
narrow in the middle and flaring out kind of like a pirate jacket. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little, a little peplum and uh, French lace. And it was $300, which at the time and in that economy was like, I don't know, $800 now. And I went back and tried it on every day. And of course, if it had been $59 at TG Mac, TJ Maxx, I would have bought it right away. And it, every time I tried it on it, I wanted it more, but I had a really hard time just saying yes to that money, which makes me laugh now because, you know, that money is so long spent, uh, who cares? <laughs> and of course, the so the last day before I packed the car up and got to the airport, I bought it because I knew when I got home, I was going to have them ship it. You know, it, it was inevitable. And whenever I wore it, I got compliments. It was like my go-to for photography conventions and different things. You know, it, like, it was great. And if I had bought it for $59, people were like, oh, you look so great in that jacket or that's a great jacket. I might've said, yeah, and I got a really good deal on it. But instead I was like, yes, I got it at this wonderful little boutique in Santa Fe. It's made in Paris. And um, so, yes, I know that it exactly what you're talking about is the fact that I invested in it and made that decision to pamper myself made it more special to me. So, yeah. So where do you think guilt and shame that taking money, like the erroneous belief that we're taking money from people comes from? Do you have some other thoughts on that? Oh, well, there's so many. They're, they're what our parents tell us, which is just like, you have to work really hard for money. And if you believe that, then of course, if you've been used to working really hard in your business and you're trying to work less and charge more, that's not going to line up. And then there's just all the thoughts about rich people and people are so scared to take too much of the pie and to you know, like ask for more or to have the nicer thing. And there's so many thoughts about nobody should have this much money and rich people are bad and they, they did something terrible to get to their spot and they're taking mm -hmm. advantage of people. And it's all just like, people are very scared to step outside. And they're also very scared of what other people are going to think of them for asking for more. Cause mm. it's all this like herd mentality of that. You you should stay small and we're all small and that's what makes us good people. And so once you step out of that, of course, your friends and family and maybe everyone around you is going to judge you and think that you're too big for your bridges or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how do you overcome that? You just start to question that. You start to, uh, people are, I think, a little bit out of touch with what they actually want. And I've had a lot of clients or people around me that just start being like, you know what, I, I've never thought about this, but I actually do want a designer bag one day, or I do want this thing. And they were just maybe scared they, to say it or to admit it, or maybe they thought that they would never get it. And it's just kind of starting to question those things. And that's what I did when I started to do my own money work was I started to write down all of the things I was told all the things I believed. And I started to just be like, what if this is just a sentence and not a fact? Mm. What if this is just a sentence and not a fact? I just wrote that down with exclamation points. Hey. Yeah. So uh, can you brainstorm a sentence? Like what's a sentence that feels like a fact and then you know, like, can you, can you do a little role play on that? So 
or yeah, ask me something. I don't know. Can we play um, with that? Yeah. Okay. So like one of those, one of those kind of limiting beliefs we're saying, right? Yeah. I, well, the first one that came to mind was just that it takes a really long time to make money. Let's say, is that a good one? Sure. So people have that belief. I had that belief. I had the belief, you know, you can't, you can't make money as a stay-at-home mom or people don't want to buy from a stay-at-home mom or they don't, all those things. So, mm -hmm. um, so you kind of start to look at how you're showing up when you're in that belief, right? Which is that when you believe that it takes a long time to make money, you are going to be putting off your success in your business until you've been in business for like 10 years or something or 20 mm -hmm. years or whatever it is. And we know that it, it, and while you do have to put work and effort and be willing to put time into your business, it does not have to take that long at all. No. Way quicker than you think. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you start to look at how, how do I show up today with that belief? And what do I create right now from that place? And usually it's just a lot of putting off success to later or not putting yourself out there or mm -hmm. procrastinating or whatever people do when they, they don't think they can be successful today. They don't go out and do it today. Right. I think that the nobody else is doing it that way uh, goes in with that as well. Like, I'm sure you've heard this a bunch and I have seen it a million times on Facebook groups. Well, nobody in my area is doing this. Everyone is doing shoot and burn. You know, no one's selling prints or it doesn't work in my area, wherever that is. And mm. then truthfully, like one of my coaching clients her husband is in the military and they always live on bases and every corner has an, uh, a wife, like every corner in the whole community has somebody who's a photographer who's doing shoot and burn. And we had to work on the principle that if she comes in at an entirely different business model and promotes herself that way, they're not going to lump her in they're going to see her as something different and she said that recently somebody was introducing her in a social group and said this is so and so she's a real photographer mm. and we were like ding 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 our our work about that concept uh is is done that she's just she has just started doing things so entirely differently than the the moms and probably some, you know, probably some husbands as well, who are looking to supplement their income. She wants to have a full viable professional business that is a separate perception of her as a, a wife who is doing some photography on the side. So does that fit in what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. For sure. And like the interesting thing about that is that when you are starting out as a photographer, especially if you're not from a lot of money and you're not used to running around in circles with people who pay a lot of money for things, you're used to everybody scrimping their pennies on everything and trying to save money and get deals. You're going to attract a lot of that at first. And you're not going to have a lot of people that are just willing to hand you money just to prove to yourself that you're valuable. You're going to have to do a lot of work to to believe that there are people out there that want to pay you and to trust that they're out there. And then as you kind of build up the momentum and you start to get more and more of those clients, you start to have so much more belief in the value that you're offering. And those people don't really go away that are the, 
the people just looking for shoot and burn or the people that are expecting you to be cheap or whatever, but those people, they still come to you, but they're just not a problem. They're not like, oh, see, I can't get any clients because you already have the other clients and you already have the belief and you've already been paid before. So they kind of don't really go away. I mean, I think I still always had those clients that were like, why can't you just do it for this? But it wasn't as much of a huge deal at the Mm -hmm. end of my career as it is at the beginning. So what was your answer then? Why can't you just do it for this? I love the word just <laughs> how, <laughs> how discounting that is to us, but uh, yeah. So why, well, I what's your response to that? It was a totally different energy because at first you're kind of just hoping that everyone will say yes to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then at the end, you're kind of more like, I mean, this is for me talking about the end of my career, but you're kind of more open to the fact that you're not for everybody. And so if somebody would come to me and want to be on a cheaper budget, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Well, I know these, I know these people, you can go ask them. They're probably cheaper than me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, and it's in the mode of service, right? It's like, here, I'll serve. I'll give you, I'll give you a name that could work for you. Yeah. Okay. I feel entirely different and I don't give recommendations. And my reason for that is that, um, because I think everybody needs to work with a photographer that's going to make prints, then it's hard for me to even think of sending somebody that's not really providing what I think everyone deserves. So it's just a personal, like, mm-hmm. oh, I believe in this, but here's somebody that can can do it for you anyway. Um, and frankly, I don't really know people because I don't hang out with people that are primarily doing shoot and share. So yeah, that's just, I love that we have different ways and that it, it does work for both of us. And I think one of the reasons why I am that way is because I've never, (laughs) this sounds really bad, but I've never bought an actual expensive photo shoot before. Like I have always been in whenever, especially when I didn't have any money to spend on pictures, I was like, I just want to get some family pictures in. I knew how important it was. And I would Mm. buy a shoot and burn photographer and it worked for me whenever I was in that place. And that's what I needed because otherwise I just wouldn't have gotten any pictures done. Right. (laughs) right. Now I used to, when I did weddings, um, when I did weddings and if I wasn't in their budget, I would, I wouldn't recommend people, but I would give them things to ask about. Like, Mm -hmm. are they members of the professional photographers of America? Can they give you some referrals for happy brides? Um, You know, just just a few things so that at least the people that they find would um, definitely be giving them uh, the amount of service that they deserve or some of it anyway. So that is so interesting because it's, we're both doing it from a place of service. Like you're doing it from the place of, I just believe so strongly in this that I can't let you, I'm not going to tell you to go to somebody else that's not doing it. And it's just from a place of service. Yeah, that's the heart of it, isn't it? Service, service, service. <laughs> so, Safina, do you have some tips or some exercises or something that you can help people uh, start to shift their mindset around money? Yes. Okay. So, this is a big one, especially when I first start out with people, is that they are very in a fight or flight type of working from a fight or flight type of place. And it's all very constrained and it's all very, I need money today and I need it this month and I'm going to die without it. 
And so one of the exercises that I always do with people is I don't think that they take the time to go into that thing that they're so scared of happening. For example, if they're shooting like 40 clients a month, being way burnt out on shoot and burn, and they're trying to switch to in-person sales, but they're scared that no one will buy it. And they're scared they won't have that income. I take them to the place of, well, what would happen? What's the worst case scenario? And kind Mm -hmm. of just going through you know, what, would you not be able to pay your rent? Would you not be able to eat? Would you have to go into debt? Would you have to get a job? Like you kind of can go to that place and realize, well, I'm not going to be not, everything's not going to be over for me. And people have very different ideas of what it means for their life to be over for. It could be just them having to dip into savings, or it could be going into debt, or it could be literally losing your home or something. Mm -hmm. But I find that people have solutions when they do that, when they, when they really go into that place, they can find solutions and they can say, oh, well, you know, if I didn't make any money, I would just go work part-time mm-hmm. or I would just do this thing. And I, or I would just take out of my savings or I would just put it on a credit card. And it's like, there are always solutions. And it puts you into so much more of an empowered place to, instead of avoiding the, avoiding the worst case scenario and overworking yourself. So you never have to run out of money and making decisions for what you actually want for your future, which is to not be overworked, to have a lot of clients paying you a lot of money and, and just be willing for that, if for to feed the business and for it to not work right away, or for there to be a little lag on that. And for you to still trust that you're going to get the hang of it and make the money anyways. Right. That's awesome. I, I didn't, make this up, but I say it a lot is that money is attracted to people who have a healthy relationship and attitude towards it. Money, you know, the term thirsty, uh, you know, that, that term, uh, sometimes it relates to like dating and stuff like, Oh, she came across so thirsty. Well, if we're that thirsty money goes, uh, well, Okay. She's a little too eager here. (laughs) So getting to that place of calm and peace, you know, taking it into those worst case scenarios or that, what would you do if that happened is, is perfect. in in my thinking, because it sets us on a more like a higher frequency of energy. Um, It also clears our brain so we can be more resourceful. Because when we're just really tight, you know what I mean? When you're really tight worrying about something, it's hard for that brain space to show up to give you ideas. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how you said, you know, it's so universal all over the world. You have listeners all over the place. So the funny thing about that is that we are in a first world civilized country, right? And we and I've been learning a lot about how rich we are compared to other parts of the world. Oh and most Americans don't consider themselves as rich, right? Mm-hmm. So it's and, very in your own perspective of what money even means to you. Right. And so I'm glad you brought that up because my fear, and especially when I did weddings, where January, middle of January, I'd look at my calendar and I'd have very few bookings, if any, for the year. And I go into that fear of, so, uh, Safina, it's the, this is the year I become a bag lady, (laughs) is the thought. And 
So in a workshop once we were, we were working through the exactly what you're talking about, you know, if this should happen, then what, and this should happen. And so when I got to that point of, you know, I get no clients and I'm da, 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 and I don't have money. And then I spend this and then I have to use that money. And then I do, and then I become a bag lady. And I used to always stop right there. And then I realized, yeah. So if that were to ever happen, I would handle it. I would find a community I'd find a place under the bridge. I'd find food somewhere. I'd get a shopping cart. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's like, even that okay. I'd work it out. And, and in the, you know, thinking about the third world countries and, and um, I say this with the utmost compassion for people who are in situations where they don't have a home. And most people who in this country, it's my opinion, people, it's better to be in that position in, the, in this country than how people in many parts of the world live who are considered middle class or, you know, the access to services, health, um, you know, and I'm touching on this very delicately, as you can probably hear in my voice, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. That, that like 90% of the world, we are living like kings here. Even those of us who are struggling financially, we mm-hmm. still are so fortunate. And one of the first steps, um, just something to pass on to you, Safina, a little mantra that one of my coaches has, um, he does these three, four day workshops and he has these banners. And one of them just says, thank God I'm rich. And he talks Mm -hmm. about how rich we are right this minute. If we have air to breathe, if we have you know, clothes on our back, if we have clean water, if we, you know, that acknowledging what I, what I hear you say, or what I'm kind of jumping off on is embracing the attitude that we're already wealthy is there's power in that. Right. And because it's so subjective, because once you're middle-class or you're, you know, like if you're going from poverty to middle-class in America, you're just going to see people that are above you. And once you're a millionaire, there's still a lot of people that are richer than you at that stage, right? And so it's like, you can always choose to have a scarcity mindset about about money and still have a ton of money compared to other people or Mm -hmm. still be completely fine with money. Right. Yeah. I had to work on the concept of like, why would I want to be super rich? So do you have an answer for that? Like, let's say you were super rich and, and of course- I know that you would get there by doing what you love. So that's a, that's a separate thing, but why would it be awesome to be rich? Oh, well, there's so many reasons, you know, I'm not afraid to just say, I want to buy this certain house for my family and I want to drive a nice car and I want to have all these like designer handbags. And, and just because that that sounds greedy or vain or whatever to most people, it's also like, why why not? Because I think people are scared to say mm. that or admit that. And on top of that, yes, there's so much good you're doing in the world. If you are, if you're becoming rich by providing a service to other people, that means 
you gave that much value out to other people. And mm. it also means you have, you have control of more of the wealth. If you think that the, the, the wealth, this is kind of a rant, but if you think that like the, the wealth system in America or where you're from is flawed and you don't think that anybody is doing it correctly and they're all bad people, why not, why keep yourself small? Why, why not become rich too? So you have more access to it. So you can make more decisions and you can make better decisions. Perfect. Yeah. For, for me, when I started journaling about this, because I did have some of that judgment about rich people, I realized, first of all, to have enough money where I could, there are some people in my family who are on fixed incomes that I'd love to be able to really, really improve their lifestyle. And, and so in my own inner circle, now I wouldn't do that with my younger nieces and nephews, because I think they need to, they need to grow their own world. But for some people who would have more peace and comfort um, in their lives, I would love to be able to do that by being rich and that more control of the wealth that makes a ton of sense. I'd love to be able to contribute uh, to social causes that I believe in, or I think one of the coolest things in the world would be to have um, senior communities next door to daycare or preschools and where they interact with each other. So I'd maybe start something like that if I had access because the older people have a lot of wisdom and they love like not everyone, but children bring joy everywhere they go. And um, yeah, anyway, so it gives us better problems, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I wanted to say to, uh, to add on to what you said is not only the people that you give money to are going to be affected by it, but also just all of the people in your circle who are watching you step out of that mentality, right? And like, yes. you're the first person, like you're the first crab to climb out of whatever, like the bucket and all the other crabs are trying to pull you down. And then finally you get out and you're living in I don't know if it's the sand analogy or what, but yeah, you're, you're the crap that got out and other people see that and they start to, they start to think, well, if this person from these humble beginnings could do it, you know, I could do it too. Or if they can make it in photography, maybe I could make it too. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And there's, I don't know how many billion people in the world. So there's enough for everybody to be successful. I, there was a photographer that, um, when we we're talking about mindset, he came out of nowhere. He'd not been photographing much, but he decided to just do things completely differently instead of what all the crabs in the bucket were doing in terms of wedding packages and pricing. And his entry level was double what the average um, photographer was charging for a full wedding in an album and all of that. And he was only doing candids and he picked 25 black and whites and he put him in a uh, 11 by 14 album and that's what you got for six or seven grand it, mm -hmm. and just him doing that was like kind of my brain exploded oh my gosh you could just decide you're going to do something different and of course he had a plan and he he had his branding really clear and he had the personality to seem like someone that you could easily you know, give $6,000 for one album too. And he dressed the part and like, 
everything lined up with it. But um, yeah, that he was the crab that got out of the bucket and it definitely changed my, my worldview. And here it is, I don't know, 25 years later, I'm sharing it uh, worldwide (laughs) about this one situation. So I love that. So are there other resources or books that you have really valued to help you with this mindset around money? Uh, Yeah, because books are the first the first way to get into mindset stuff, right? And mm-hmm. besides having your own brain coached. So uh, I'm looking at it right now, actually on my shelf, You Are a Badass at Making Money. That book has so many good, I love the first one too. Yeah. Uh, so many good prompts in there to start questioning your stuff. And I think that was the first time that I realized that they weren't facts and they were just thoughts mm. in my head, just beliefs or whatever. And mm-hmm. I- so many things. I did a lot of work on that. And uh, it's kind of funny now. It's, it's like, I, I spent a lot of time doing all the woo stuff and doing all the belief stuff and it did pay off and it did open up a lot more for me. Good. So yeah, and that it, book for sure. Yes. Um, one that, that, uh, I found really valuable is called, um, overcoming under earning. Hmm, and uh, yeah that was that was a favorite and then there's a book um that's called creating money and it's old and it's got a lot of you said the word woo right <laughs> it's very it's very woo woo spirit universe which i love all that stuff and i over the years have pulled it out when i was like whoa, I think I'm a little in my head about money. I'm kind of in fear. I'm not attracting the income that I want right now. And honestly, uh, I never got past the first 20 pages because I got so busy with clients (laughs) and making money that I would kind of forget. (laughs) And uh, probably a couple of years ago, I decided that's it. I'm going to read this whole book. And um, when I read a book, I like chew over about 10 pages, underline, and then the next morning, spend about 10, 15 minutes again and go back. So it takes me a while with a book like that to, to really ingest all the goodness. And yeah, so I recommend that, that one as well. Oh, so I have a couple questions for you before we close. One of them is, how do we get in touch with you if people have questions for you or, you know, want to know more about what you're up to? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. That's where I hang out. I have my personal profile, Safina Duke, and I also have a group that's where you can join it for free. It's called Money Freedom for Photographers. Okay, and I'll have that in the in the show notes for people. And then is there something either that, that you haven't shared yet, that's kind of key or in your heart about this whole mindset money thing, or is there just some parting, not just, uh, <laughs> but some yeah. parting thought, a, a, something you want us to take away. So what would be your... It's something that you kind of were talking about the money books. And I was just thinking, you know, the, the core of everything I'm sure you do. And I do too, is just 
people want to hit goals so they can feel better about themselves and they want to hit goals so they don't have to feel scared of losing money and they want to become this amazing person so they can not feel shame or not feel like they're not good enough or whatever. And the, the whole trick to life is basically just learning how to look around and prove to yourself that you have enough right now and you are enough right now and just everything is okay right now and to accept where you're at and it helps you to attract people to that want to pay you so much faster when you can be okay with with where you're at right now that is everything Safina (laughs) even yeah so I went I've mentioned this now and then I had a big medical thing where I had to have brain surgery to get a non, you know, it was a benign tumor, but in my sinus, but it was going to blind me and kill me if we didn't get it out. So it was bad. (laughs) And the way I got through the actual years of worry and concern and, and the last six months before the big surgery was to realize if I was, if I was emotionally scared or something, I was not in the present. And that the present, I was fine. And, and as it got closer, I realized I feel great right now. So I don't know what it's going to be like after. So I don't want to waste right now. So I think I hear you saying kind of the same thing that, that loving our lives, experience our lives as we're experiencing them is where the power is and where the fun is. And then it, makes us more magnetic for more fun, more power, more clients. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all is well, by the way, Safina with the, with the, you know, they got it all out. Everything's cool. <laughs> so good. Yeah. With, but yeah. I that you just found a way to enjoy where you were at because you didn't know what would happen. Right. And the suffering up until like once it happened, then of course there's the pain and the healing and the, all of that stuff. But I made a commitment not to suffer in advance. And, mm-hmm. and I think with everything in life, um, you know, that, what if, like, what if we go broke? Well, if you're, if you're worrying about it, then you're living as if you already are. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because you're not just like, Oh, look, I've got uh I found $5 in my pocket. I get to go buy a popsicle. It, you know, that can be a joy, right? <laughs> yeah, and we're so supported. And if you think back throughout your life, you've always been supported and you've, because right. you're here, <laughs> you're going to be fine. Yeah. Right, right. And even whatever happens at the very end, uh, I believe I'm fine. I believe we're all fine when we leave this physical nest, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well so I'm excited that we get to I get to be on her podcast we forgot to mention that you have a podcast and what's the name of it same name as the group money freedom for photographers um so I get to be on her show and we'll be talking about some of the things that are my superpower so uh this is not it's not goodbye (laughs) but um just a reminder to my before we you know say before I sign off with Sophia remember to stay tuned for my summary and remember to go to lucydumascoaching.com and grab that 
that book, 10 Big Ideas for Marketing. And um, if you like this episode or any episode, please share it with your friends because we're all in this together. So thank you, Safina, for um, this really rich conversation. It's just been great. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. I really loved that conversation and money, talking about it, making it, thinking about it, uh, all of that is one of my favorite topics. So um, thank you, Safina. And just a little recap is she started by making a decision she wanted to make some money and doing photography seemed like what she wanted to do. So she sold her car to buy a camera. <laughs> I love that. And her superpower, which she loves to share about support people in is their relationship with money, the mindset. Some of the things we talked about were number one, uh, looking at the feelings of guilt and shame that we have around money that when we're charging well, we're taking money from people. And some of the remedy to that was to think about the value that people get just even from paying us well, there's value in that. She talked about how um, we are taught negative attitudes about money. And she suggests we think about our goals and really focus on the service, investing our time in ways that creates more perceived value. Uh, then we talked number two about where we got some of the attitudes around money. And of course, parents and other messages that we've gotten growing up uh, has a lot to do with it. Some negative biases against rich people for some can get in the way of it. The fear of being judged by others, you know, how dare she uh, be different or, you know, be rich or have big dreams. And number three was um, worrying about what people think of us and questioning messages that we get. And I liked that she said one way, one little tip is if something comes to our mind that we think is a fact, think about what if it's not a fact, it's just a sentence. Um, let's see. So some of her tips on how to change a mindset and get over the fight or flight urgency around money is to look at what we're most afraid of and, and carry it to its fullest extent. Okay, if that would happen, then what do I do next? And so forth. She says this puts you into an empowered place. And she talks about it's important to be willing to be uncomfortable. And then I ask her the question of what why someone might want to be rich. And she said, of course, she'd love the, the things that you can buy and enjoy when you've got lots of money. And also it puts you in a place of control over some of the wealth in this world, rather than uh, the opposite of that would be out of control where other people are basically driving the bus. So her last wrap up of the core of everything is to look around and realize right now, right here, everything is okay. 
And that creates a kind of energy that it makes it easier for money to flow our way. And who wouldn't want that? So don't forget, send me an email. If you've got something on your mind uh, or somebody that you'd love to have me interview, or if you'd like to just set up a quick chat for any reason, Lucy at lucydumas.com. And as always, it's with an eye. So thank you all for listening today. And um, that's it until next time. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.